Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into Soccer in the City. Christmas edition. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bramuch, John Rojas. Talking New York City FC as always. Champions League. MLS coaching news. Uh, rumors out there. A lot to get into. Gentlemen, happy holidays. Happy holidays to everyone listening to this episode. Uh, I hope you're safe and doing well. Uh, let's start with CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, LAFC, the hope of MLS. It looked good, guys, for about 70 minutes. And then Tigres, two late goals to snatch victory from LAFC. Uh, this was a, a game that roughly largely kept his cards in the pocket. It looked like an early opportunity for, potentially for LAFC from the spot. But, uh, you know, still a, a strong performance from LAFC. Disappointing that they didn't go through, given that they really... You know, played well and, and got that goal, and you felt like they had a strong case. You knew Tigres was going to make a push. They did. They got the two late goals. Uh, Glenn, when you sit back and think about this one, uh, do you feel like Tigres earned the victory or LASC let it slip away? No, Tigres earned it. But what you said uh, in your opening comments there about uh, could have had one from the spot, I don't know how you guys felt about watching this competition uh, and then the announcement uh, at some point during the competition that uh, the video assistant referee would be added to the competition in 2021. But I thought it was kind of nice not having VAR. I really did. And be, there, it was just the referee made the calls. They saw it. He had the assistant referees communication with them. He could help make his decision that way. And the game went on. I kind of, you know, you could say, well, LAFC got screwed by no penalty being called there. But we're 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 in that like it's the live run of play judgment of a human being. We still have human beings making massive errors when they see it 100 times. So uh, I really enjoy I have to say I enjoyed the games without VAR. And when I saw this announcement, I was kind of like I was disappointed. It was like, 
why not we just let's just have one competition one of these major competitions that doesn't use VAR is pretty cool. But uh, I know that's not much of an analysis as to what happened in the match. But well, hold on a second. Do you actually have plumbing in your house or do you have an outhouse? Because I'm sure that the nostalgia of using an nostalgia. outdoor bathroom, you it's know, not of, nostalgia. Of using the uh, outdoor it's not bathroom nostalgia. was OK. It's not nostalgia. It's the way I maybe prefer watching a match and, and letting, you know, and part of the, you know, I, and I, I, I tweeted out something not too long ago with uh uh, yeah, it was about just again the players just enveloping the referee after almost every call. It I, it just disturbs me so much, and I always say just slap those guys with a yellow, book them, book them. Anybody but the captain come over and uh, be, and and what I tweeted out was like these players, a, a player who has a great match probably makes about ten mistakes at least, and you know what about the mistakes they make. You know, the referee's not over in their face going, hey, you shanked that shot. You suck. I mean, um, I just like the human beings, live action, making Look, I, I've never been a guy that says I hate VAR because I think correcting incorrect calls, especially in big moments, uh, you know, is, is probably the worthy thing to do in uh, modern times. I'm just saying I enjoyed the soccer game experience without VAR. I'm making a real simple statement there. So that's that. What do you? I know. I was say before you. you know what I, I, mean? I second that. I you know because I watch. Look, we watch all these matches VAR, and we all watch the Premier League, and you know everything is checked and checked over and over again, and it's a matter of inches. And at some point, I I know I agree with you, Gwen. It was just kind of nice not to to know that we weren't going to have to go ten rounds with trying to decide if a guy was on or offside by millimeters, and whether you know goals were good or. But at the end of the day, I get it. You want the calls to be right. Yeah. Right. And, and in England, it seems like the past um, couple of weeks, they've made an adjustment on how they're um, how they're calling uh, offsides. They're not going down to the millimeter, which is literally what they were doing. And if it looks close, if it looks that close where they've got to go to that level, it seems, at least in the past uh, few weeks that I've seen, that they're just letting it stand. They're letting the call stand, which is the right thing to do, as opposed to going as like, you know, the hairs of his elbow were uh, were sticking out and that uh, and that made him offside or put him onside. You know, if it's that close, just leave the call as it as it was made on the field and and go with there. But let's get back to the game. Well, how about let's get let's stay with the penalty that wasn't called. Lati uh, blessing. You know, was that that was that a clear cut penalty? I think it look, I think it was a clear cut penalty, but it's also one of those where it's, you know, it's a bang, bang play. And all these calls are they have these areas of gray, which not everything is 100 percent black and white or so some things are. This one was. I think that what might have hurt Latif Blessing, and this is guessing because I didn't uh, we, we didn't speak with the referees. I think that the contact is there. I think it's sufficient contact for him to go down. I think that it's enough contact to warrant a penalty call. But I think what, what have, might have hurt Latif Blessing there is that he might have over-exaggerated the contact a bit, although it's all there. And that may have made up the referee's mind that maybe the contact wasn't as severe as he originally thought and he was trying to embellish and so therefore that's why he didn't call it or i mean he could again we didn't speak to the referees afterwards and why he why he did or didn't make a, a call but uh to me it seemed to have enough contact there uh for it to be a penalty call but if he thought that 
Latif Blessing exaggerated the call or exaggerated the play, that might have been the reason why he didn't uh, call it. But I thought it was a penalty. John Rojas? I, um, when it comes to the, to the uh, full picture of the VAR, I think I enjoy both ways. I can definitely enjoy a game without the VAR and all the human errors and, and elements of the game uh, that we may be losing at some point. But, uh, but I enjoy, too, having, you know, corrected calls and calls that are looking for, for some kind of justice in the game. You know, having in mind that at the end of the day, a, a game is not a set of justice rules. It's not a set of justice events. You know, it's just a game and it happens. Mistakes are made. Um, that is with the, with the whole picture. If we come down to the play, I agree with Roberto's point as, to a certain point, but I don't think that Latif Blessing was trying to embellish. I think it was all the contrary. He was trying to keep the play alive, and he fall when we saw that he couldn't get to the ball. The ball was too far away from him already, and the contact was totally there for him to fall. He was trying to keep himself on the play, and that's why he fall late, if you want to call it that way, on, on the contact. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care. You don't play uh, having in mind that the referee has to give you anything. And LAFC had the hand of the game, and LAFC could, could win that game and, and did everything possible to win the game in a really good fashion. So that particular event, I'm not, I'm not going to say affected the result, affected the score, affected the game. It's one of the, the plays of the game, period. If you want me to talk about uh, certain plays, a specific plays that affected the result in the game, then we got to go to the second half, but not that one. And then from that point on, you saw, everybody noticed that the idea, the philosophy of the referee to handle this game was to let them play. Let's play. I'm not going right. to cut. I'm not going to stop the play. I'm not going to have my cards out for everything. So let's play. Or he, anything. <laughs> exactly. He could get in a beat in a really were, trouble. You know, no cards. No cards in that game he, at all. He consistent that way. But in that yeah, sense, was. consistency. Correct. In that sense, as a player, you have to take it because he's being consistent. Like it or not, he's called the same ways for both. Yeah. No, for sure. And. And the thing, just one more thing on the penalty uh, or, or the, the lack of a penalty is if, and this is what, you know, this is where VAR doesn't help. If a, if a referee judges that a player could not impact and, and score a goal on a play like that because the ball was too far away from him, that's another reason to me not to call uh, the, the penalty. If, if a guy cannot possibly score off, no matter what happens to him, I mean, if you want to book the guy and, and, and still not give the penalty, I guess you could do that. I don't know. Can you do that? No, I don't even know. No, but can't. so, well, that's too bad because, you know, in the judgment of a referee, I look, if, if the referees aren't good enough to call a game, they shouldn't call the game. You know, and I, and I think the referees in this uh, CCL, I thought they were fantastic. These guys were good because these games were fast. They were played at a high tempo. And uh, I thought they were uh, it's one of the things I thought about while watching the games. Not only did I enjoy uh, Tom not uh, having VAR, but I thought the guys in the middle uh, all did a very good job of, of, of uh, you know, these are difficult games. 
you know, and Mexico versus uh, USA teams, uh, MLS teams is, uh, you know, Mexico, US, what, how are you want to phrase it? You know, those are, they get a little testy. And so wait a second. So let's go back mm-hmm. a bit because it, now, now we're getting into a slightly different subject, but um, because we're switching games here. But I didn't switch well, a game. Well, yeah. Well, you talked about. Yeah, you did. You said the referee throughout the tournament. So now we've got to go yeah, back. I just, because I'm just I'm making key, a general statement. Well, that's fine. But I mean, when you look at the game of uh, LAFC against America and the sending off of Atuesta, which turns out to be, you know, the key thing in that match, were you okay with the way the referee handled that situation? And I'm asking you a question. I'm not prejudging. Sure. Uh, I am because he did the correct thing. He didn't have a clear picture of it. The AR told him uh, this is what happened, and boom, he's done. So that he, yes, he handled it the only way you can handle it. You know, by conferring with uh, that's these guys are all referees. It's not just one guy. They're all called referees so they can all make decisions, uh, including the fourth official. You know, the fourth official has the liberty to say if the three others didn't see a thing, they can phone the ref or, you know, all over their communication and just say, hey, you know, this uh, this head coach has told you to F off and uh, just want you to know that uh, how you want to handle it. <laughs> it's, it's up to you. So, uh yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't have a you know the the Atuesta thing is I I still haven't I, I don't know about you guys I I still haven't seen anything that clearly look we know that uh, Ochoa you know freaking flopped and 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 just made it you know made it a mess but if Atuesta actually made a motion of headbutting in any in any fashion he's you know he's put himself in a position to, to uh, to be sent off, you know, and you're shaking your head. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, agreeing with Glenn, um, Edward is not he's he's a young player, but he's experienced. He's playing an international level and he understand that. And it happens sometimes, you know, uh, your head is bowling and, uh, uh, and the the game and, and the sensations of the game are too much. And you don't have that second to think. Right. But you can see it from the one second of that sequence you see Ochoa is trying to push him is trying to get in his face is trying so that's not right, not, on, right. not only the movement of his head you know if he's there and he see Ochoa in his face the first thought of mine there should be I'm not sh- I should not get up right now I need a space to get up because he's trying to make something out of this and I'm and I'm going to help him if I get up it was minimal contact it was probably nothing Right. The referee did what he had to do. Yes, probably Ochoa deserved to another part of that, um, uh, of that uh, car or, or be more, you know, because he's the one who is putting the game in those terms. And for the referee, it's actually the wrong terms to have the game play on because he's going to be holding to that standard the rest of the game. So every confrontation, he has to pay attention to that. It's an extra job for him. Not the game, but now every single confrontation. So in that sense, Ochoa should be punished too. I'm not saying red card or anything, but he should be punished because he is promoting that. But Atuesta, who is the one who received that, could have and should have a clear mind in that second to say, you know what, I'm not getting up. You can push me whatever you want. I'm not getting up. Right. Because I'm going to help him. He's experienced, now, I, but he's still yeah. only 20 years old. That, you exactly. Know, that's a, yeah. No, totally. You understand those things. You but have you can to still be a mature 20 year old. I mean, just be, age right. alone doesn't. Uh, d- and that d- play doesn't, doesn't make, him, make him immature. One play doesn't make him immature. It's one little element 
You yeah. know, how many times we see a twister? We don't see a twister pushing people and getting on faces and no, all does. over. That's right. Never. That's right. It just wasn't. It didn't seem it's like one it. Thing. And he how about up. And his, ab- his absence it. in the final is certainly something that could have been right. And listen, uh, I made have a huge someone, difference someone, because their possession in the midfield, John, was uh, no, abominable. Totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. He is a player that can't change the rhythm and the tempo of a game, period. He's so key for them. I mean, and for LAFC, I mean, he's absolutely key, and they missed him in the uh, in the game against, um, yeah. against Tigres because, and, I mean, when when Tigres ties the game, I mean, they, at that point, LAFC was totally dominating. Then they started to have a couple of uh, mistakes in the back, and uh, that almost cost them, and then one of those went to a corner kick, and that uh, results in the first goal. But up to that point... LAFC was totally dominating the game. They were dominating possession. They they were on the front foot. They were, seemed to be closer to the second goal than Tigres was to the first. And then when they allowed that first goal, that whole game just changed. It let just me, totally changed. Let me change, but I think the game changed a couple of minutes before that. But uh, let me finish mm. the, the BAR in, in, in a Twista situation with something that I hear from a source close to CONCACAF regarding the communication between CONCACAF and LAFC. Because LAFC tried, right? The appeal. Uh, yeah, they tried appeal, to appeal it. Yeah. Right, they tried to appeal that one. And that communication went in this line of words. Listen, if there were VAR, that most likely wouldn't be a red car. But we don't have the VAR. And we don't have the appeal system. So there's no way we're going to receive that appeal. So in one sense, it's like giving them the right, the feeling that that play should have been seen in a different way. But in the sense of the game itself, with no VAR and no appealing system through the tournament, there's nothing we can do about it. So did did MLS have an appeal process before VAR? You could, you could appeal. MLS, yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yes, always. Yeah, yeah. and uh, since, since how about other baseball. leagues? How about other major leagues, the uh, big leagues or competitions? I wonder. You, you no. can only appeal like the big uh, situations, but not a simple red card. No, yeah. confrontations and stuff like that, you may appeal. So they appealed, and then they were told, you can't appeal. Sorry. Concacaf like, Champions like, League is like buying a sports car that has nothing on the inside. It's just, you just get the frame and nothing, you get none of the interior package. Well, you also get the final on FS2 on opening night NBA, Lakers-Clippers, and it really, uh, I think, played a role. A lot of people don't have FS2, as I've discovered along the way. I, I didn't, yeah, you know, I feel don't. like I'm uh, like... You know, it's just it seems like it's automatically in my it was concerned that now. you weren't going to be able to find it, Glenn. No, FS2 I could find. OK, I was but a little if worried. Fox, if Fox Sports go, I might have started to struggle. I found but, uh, it in Colombia. Uh, well, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> John. Wait, but you wait. Did you you found FS2 in Colombia or you? No, no, no. Because the right to watch ESPN. Correct. ESPN right. play because the rights in South America is ESPN is the holder of the. Wow. Rights. wow. Right. Yeah. And how pleasant, in, so the, who, in addition to not having VAR, how pleasant was it that it was just the natural sounds of the game and you got to hear Bob Bradley screaming the whole game at, at you know, different things to his team. I, how can you not enjoy that versus having this crap fake crowd? I don't get it, Roberto. Why wouldn't you want to hear the players and the coaches and the direction and the, and the keepers talking on the corners? I mean, Glenn, and, and I, yes. And- Add to that that you did not, you cannot right now understand what Tuca Ferretti screams. Uh, no, I, I know. Show. No, I'm, 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 that's I'm a Google, show on itself. I'm Google translating. Well, <laughs> well 
That's fantastic. Just go, yeah. just go to the curses part of it, of Google Translate then, because uh, he uh, he has a foul mouth. I didn't uh, hear. Not I, only that is not only that is his Mexican Portuguese accent. Yes, is his passion and and is his known of the game, of course, because you understand that he's being right with his directions, but at the same time, every single tactical direction ends with a curse. <laughs> hey, I'll just throw in one other thing, which. Uh, And, and Roberto, you've been supportive of this. And again, it, you know, it's situational, but nobody at the back post zonally for LAFC. And that's exactly where the goal was scored. That's where a majority of goals are scored at the back post. You had there uh, was Mark, a tweet coming. Mark Anthony K backpedaling. He's coming from a zonal position in front of the post. He's backpedaling unbalanced and was unable to uh, if he was standing at the post and then a little offset from it, he would have just stepped forward and cleared that and uh, no equalizer. Now, is that? Again, does that did that determine the absolute result of this? And and Tigris would not have won without that. Uh, you know, you can't say you can't. You say, can't but, say correct. That is but, absolutely correct. But I am on the put somebody on the back post bandwagon, please, for uh, corner defending. Anyway, go ahead. Do you like front post and back post or only back post? Depends on my keeper. See, if you have a, uh, it depends on the keeper. It depends on whether they're running two out at the, are they running a short corner? Uh, it, there's different things, but I would always have somebody at the back because players tend to ball watch. They tend to ball watch and they aren't prepared for the flick. Uh, you see it all the time. Just focus on that. All of you guys focus on that when you're watching games How many times, and this is not just in corners, but during the run of play where, where those goals are scored at the back post because there's a, the defenders are unaware because they're ball watching, they're conscious of where the ball is rather than players getting in behind them. John, going back to the second half, what was the moment that you think changed the match? Carlos Vela. Uh, the miss? Yeah. Yeah. Clear, simple, cut, penalty spot. Yeah, what happened? No position in front of him. Did he just take All too long? What, said, what's your assessment of that? He took yeah. too long. Yeah, he took two touches that he couldn't, that he shouldn't touch. One touch finished, and he took three touches, tried to accommodate him better. Three when he touches. Had the player, the goalie, right in front of him. I never watched it again. Shot. He took three touches. I didn't. He prepare and shoot. He took prepare another right. touch and then shot. Right. Ah, okay. That that is and, interesting. And the little kid, uh, Poku, did. Everything for him, everything. He piled up players on his side after the run. And with 19 years old, he understood my captain, my DP, the mm -hmm. start of this team is in front of the goalie. He's going to finish it. This is over. And it was over. It was 60 something, almost 70 minutes. It was two nothing. They had wingers plays very, very uh, speedy guys in Rossi and Poku. They have Bella. They had Lati Blessing running for transitions through the middle of the, of, of the field. Tigres had to come out because it's 2-0, uh, right. 20 minutes to play. Game is over at that point. And yep. it's your expensive player, your deeply player, your star player. In your mind should be boom. Even if it's one touch, boom. This has to be in, period. All right. Well, so the guy and, and I agree, you know, you can criticize the guy who's been the franchise. Let's face it. I mean, any any success they've had generally has run through him. So uh, but no, I'm saying he could you still criticize him. You know, you, of you course. Still... And look at the other side. Do you do you see 
Andre Pierre Guignard having a fantastic game? No. And then, uh, yeah, he gets one chance and burns. He was it. missing action. <laughs> yeah. He had one. He put it in. They're champions. Yeah. Uh, yep. Period. That's, well, that's what a great striker does, right? There. Well, you, you, exactly. How about BWP? He did that. Honestly, he did that to New York City FC almost every match. You know, he, yeah, every time. He, w- he wouldn't be impactful. And then next thing you know, boom, back of the net. You go to the office and ask for money. <laughs> well, now he's in Columbus, so he can do it there. Yeah, how about that? Columbus. BWP and Kyle Lahren. <laughs> Killed New York City. Is Kyle yeah, Lahren still, yeah. still in Turkey? I don't know. For a I, don't, I, don't I believe know. so. Betsy I believe so. Because they're playing today. The only game, I, as far as I know, the only game being played on Christmas Eve, and it's on uh, BN Espanol Connect. It's on Connect. Oh it's not even on regular BN. Oh, it's BN, BN Sports Connect. Yeah. Connect, yeah. Uh, is, uh, Which is the streaming platform from BN Sports. BN so it's Turkish Sports. Super League. We yeah. should do a yeah. Zoom call later where we watch Glenn try and find that game. <laughs> Yeah, that one I might not be able to get. I mean, if through Verizon, would I be able to get that, Roberto? Would I be able to? Uh, get that? I have yes, no idea. It so. probably would so. be. I would think. I would fly down to Columbia after the show. You can stay with John. Exactly. You can watch it there. Everything. Look at that. I promised to throw a clip in later today, guys. And look at the the scenery where John is is just uh, let extraordinary. Me take, let me take my body away. It's extraordinary. Yeah, there it is. <sighs> there it is. Bananas. Can, can, can you mangoes, see the, the little soccer field behind the trees? Did you do your mango picking this morning before the uh, podcast? No, coffee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, Tigris, you're champions. Uh, LAFC coming up a little short. Any other things? Yes. Yeah, I just want to close with this because with everything um, probably negative that you can say about LAFC on this game, negative on, on, you know, on the sad side of it. Because we all saw the game, and they were the dominant team. They yeah. were on top of the score. I mean, I, I said that in another show. It's impossible that you cannot play a 0-0 tie for 20 minutes. It's impossible. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Even more if it is a final. But I just want to see the whole picture, okay? We're talking, and we're smashing this organization and this team because they were in the champions, having them in their hands. But they're three years old. Three years old. And they won the supporter shield, which means they, you know, got the most points out of the whole season. They're being relevant. They're being competitive. They're young. They're now playing a continental final, right? So we, 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 we should highlight those things because it's only three years of that organization playing competitive. And don't you think they're best suited to to win it or to beat these Mexican teams the way they play. I mean, I don't see a Columbus or a Seattle competing against Tigres the same way that LAFC did because, because they can play fast. They have many individuals who can, they, they just combine the, the qualities to win it. So that, that was the disappointment too, because it, if, if ever an MLS team, and is it that big a deal? I, I'm still wondering is it that big a deal? I don't care what the Mexican media thinks about MLS, and I just don't care, Roberto. I don't care, and Me I don't either. care. I don't. This competition, Liga MX and MLS, I don't care. I just want to watch good games. I well, want to watch uh, good uh, games. Uh, uh, right. Uh, we all want to watch good games, and you make a good point. At the same time, yeah, it's important because of uh, there is regional competition. Yeah, and no, MLS no. finds it important as well, but they still haven't opened up their purse strings as much to be able to make all of them as competitive as the top Mexican teams. Because remember that 
Don Garber and the Mexican League are trying to find ways of merging both these leagues. And there's a huge competition. There's a huge rivalry between the United States and Mexico. It happens at the national team and it happens at club level the same way there is, let's say, between Brazil and Argentina uh, down in South America. And nobody loves and nobody likes to lose to the other one. But it's, I mean, Brazil and Argentina are different <laughs> because they are similar. The U.S. and Mexico isn't similar because Mexico has always been on top and the U.S. has been the upstart. This Brazil-Argentina thing, John just went, he left the podcast to go pick mangoes. Basically, what happened, John? And I'm going to eat it the rest of the show. <laughs> it's insane. You cannot have those four federations in the same line. That's the big problem. That is the big problem. I'm not comparing the level of soccer. I'm just no, saying that there's no, a, there's competition the between countries. Not even the level, Roberto. Brazil and Argentina are countries that are soccer nations since their inception. Yes. Both of them at the same time. We're talking of a 25-year-old league. Right. You're going to compare with MLS. That has All been I'm saying is that they, I, I'm not comparing the same level. And I said that and I thought I was clear. And you think the level is just the snap of a finger? So no. now this year, the level is bigger. It's a process. It's a work. And that's why you should not be focusing. Yes, the competition should be there. I understand that. And it's important to have competition and rivalry. But you create yeah. that on the field, not on the media. And especially not on the media. If the media is not willing to see and analyze games. Okay. Well, that's, nobody, a, I mean, we understand that Mexico. about, we nobody understand Mexico. that about Mexico. We understand exactly. so that about what, Mexico. But that was, but that at was the same time. point. I don't care what media in Mexico says. Well, it's not about me. And it's me not either. only about media. It's about, it's about fans. It's about teams. And there, there's a okay, rivalry. That's a different point. If there's you, a, there, there, that there is a rivalry. Look, if there's anybody who's criticized Mexican media, uh, it's been me for crying out loud. I do this all the time. It seems like it's like I half my half my job is to do that because of what they don't do, what they don't analyze. And they they're basically fans, you know, who have been given a microphone, you know, in too many cases. And I'm not going to say that about everybody, but there are too many of people. There are too many people that are on television and radio in Mexican media and newspapers as well that are fans first and writers and television and radio broadcast second. I mean, that is a fact. So uh, I love, what was the game? You guys told me in the past that uh, is, was it in Mexico or was it South America where all the media like they, they'll wear the jerseys of their team and they'll they'll actively support their team in the press box. Well, in Mexico, that happens a lot. Yes. Yeah. And in many places, <laughs> even in Argentina, I mean, you yeah. have I think media. Yeah. That is unbelievable. But yeah, that's where the no cheering in the press box came from. Right. Yeah. But it's not a, that's not the problem. I mean, if you are part of a media, right? And if you are part of a, of, of a team's media or a, a team follower media and you tell your people, we are LAFC pro show or New York City FC, right? People know where your opinions coming from, right? But if you are working for a big brand, for a big outlet, you're supposed to be analyzing games and all you do is just giving them. Yeah giving food to people to watch you like creating a show and and not analyzing you're not we're not talking here about competition and we're not talking here about we're just treating people like idiots they're gonna eat whatever i give them and they're gonna stay with me because i'm funny or because i create uh, um, an argument or because this is a show and they're being entertained fine so they're gonna go a circus they're watching a circus right, isn't it, watching it's 
entertainment, not news, not analysis. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, like, for instance, me, in this show, hold on. In this show, okay, we're soccer in the city. We are New York City FC centric, right? And two things that we've never seen on this show. Okay, and we watch each other, and now there's videos of, because Glenn puts the videos up because we do this on Zoom now. Okay, nobody's ever worn an NYCFC shirt here. Okay, and nobody has ever spoken about New York City FC in the first person. Wait a minute, hold on. I'm definitely playing this clip because over the <laughs> no, left I mean I've Roberto. got hold on. I've got the U.S. because I've got I've got Maradona <laughs> there too. I mean, and I've like, got one, two, three. You only have three yeah, there. Three so well, it's, it's, it gives it a soccer sort of thing. I've got the Maradona ball there. I can put, you know. Okay, fine. On the next one, I'll put a Brazilian shirt uh, or an Argentinian point, shirt. Point well made, it. Roberto. Point well made. No, but I mean, we're next. not we're, we're, we're talking. To the we're talking about the third person. I'm just putting scarves there because I, mean, I just wanted to cover the TV and sort of make this look a little bit better. Mm. You know, for okay, when fashion. I do. Uh, exactly. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys, was there, were you surprised at all that the coach for Club America got let go after oh that my game. God. He had had a, how about, did, I that mean, was that, it was, what was more amazing is that he was surrounded by CONCACAF officials while he's on the walkie talkie communicating with his <laughs> team after he was, uh, he was dismissed. It was, uh, you know, it was comical. He said there was nowhere in the rules that said that he couldn't uh, stay in the stands. That's what he said. That was his argument. But you, it's clear you can't communicate with your Come team on. after you're yes, uh, in the game for how long? Yeah, you I know, know that. You know that as a coach, you should go to your locker, period. Yeah, you take the walkie talkie back there. Don't do it in public. Exactly. Uh, exactly. How look about like, how, look okay. like Mourinho in a laundry bag. Hey, what is the, you know, we're, you know, we follow the game and, you know, LAFC, Bradley, Vela, you know, we're, we're really pumped for that game and, and stayed up and watched it. But how about a 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff on FS2 on opening night for the NBA? What, what level of importance is really held for this competition? I mean, when you do that to it, I mean, honestly, a 10 p.m. kickoff Eastern time is is B.S., how, why? How? If that's the only way they could get it on FS2, then I guess that's just what they did. That, All I'm saying is, it's not regarded in any manner, right? I mean, no. no, and there's no. I don't know who put it up there, but they had no, no pregame, no, you know, Grant what, Wall what, that, that said that, that it was a shame that studio. there was no studio show yeah, for which, a game of that magnitude. Yeah, sometimes that's a shame, and sometimes it's. Not because I don't know about you, but I don't always watch the studio things. It depends on who's on. But uh, regardless, I think he's right. You know, it's just come on, man. But whatever. That's well, the pro Glenn, we talk about it many times on the show. <laughs> That's the problem of the of the current state of soccer and football, and especially on this year. I mean, TV is the one who dictates everything, everything. Yeah, yeah. So we yep. can't do anything about that. Yep. All right. Well, let's turn now, since this is a New York City centric show for the most part. Yeah, with scars, with scars and everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, Roberto now put his jersey on and yeah. his hat just to compliment everything. I don't. <laughs> yeah, he takes the jersey off before we start the podcast, guys. Come on, let's be fair. No, have you uh, ever so, seen it on Instagram? Have you ever seen it? I, I, well, I see it on Twitter. You know, Roberto doing selfies, driving around in his convertible and with his with his New York City FC jersey on. <laughs> I don't uh, do selfies. I, 
I, just, I don't do listen. selfies at all. I'm horrible at them. I well, do not do selfies. I don't know who's in the passenger seat, but uh, they look like selfies to me. But anyway, so, go ahead. Tom. I don't remember it's what day it was, but I'm sitting at work minding my business, you know, where I am right now. And I get a text from John Rojas and it just says, boom. Like, what? What is this? Alex Ring is no longer the captain of New York City FC. Alex Ring is no longer with the team. He has gone to Austin, traded. For a lot of money, a lot of gam and potential gam and future gam. Guys, this was, uh, I mean, sort of out of left field. Um, You know, Ring has been synonymous with New York City since he's arrived with the team. We're in the captain's arm, man. Um, Certainly been one of the most versatile players for New York City. uh, But you always felt good when he was in the middle of the park, particularly in front of the back line. Um, but this was a, a big move for both New York City and Austin. Um, just let's go around the room, just your initial reaction. Uh, we'll start with you, Roberto, to, to the trade itself. Well, yeah, I was totally surprised. I mean, because he's been synonymous with the team uh, since the big three left. And he's an excellent player that, couldn't come to an agreement on a contract. Um, So that's where this whole thing starts. And so he wants X amount of money. New York City is willing to give him Y amount of money. They couldn't come to an agreement. And if there's any place that New York City has redundancy is there. So that's what they decided uh, to do, that it would be fine for him to move on. You have parks and you have sands playing twin sixes and that's really his position and the only reason he went back there was because sands got hurt uh they were trying to find someplace else for him in the lineup they used him as an you know as a wide player up front just basically trying to keep him there so it was it makes sense that if they can't come to an economic agreement then it's best to move on. Plus, now you're saving his salary, which was high, and you got $1.2 million that you can spend on other players and reinforce other areas of the team. And you have more than adequate backup for the position. So, it, you know, sadly, it, uh, it makes sense for the team uh, on the field. Uh, the fans are going to miss him, but um, at the same time, it does make sense for the team to make that move. Well, I think uh, part of the contract thing is uh, is the number of years. It, I, I don't know how, you know, it, it may have been money, but I think it was the number of years in the contract as well. And uh, look, let's face it. If, if, if contract talks broke down, one of the reasons they did is Sands and Parks. And we've heard I, on that day when it happened, I don't know if you guys saw it. You know, I, I put out, I had all these Ronnie clips talking about Parks and Sands together and, uh, and, and Ring in, in, a, in a different position and how he was versatile. Uh, Alex Ring did not like playing where he was put outside of the midfield, you know, in that 4-2-3-1 <clears throat> wide left or 4-3-3 wide left, however you want to look at it. Uh, he wasn't as good a player or, or contributor. I know he had a couple of goals, a couple of assists early on, and, and it looked like, well, you know, the guy can play up front. He could do anything. Uh, he said last year, uh, and I, I also replayed this, that uh, everyone knows I'm a, my best position is a six, and I'm happy to be back there. And that's when Dolme Tehran had played him as a 10 and then moved him back to a six. So, uh I think the trade works for both because Alex ring. I don't think was ever happy being out of the midfield 
and he's going to be he's a team guy. He's going to play as hard as he can. He's going to do what he can. He's the captain of the team, the captain of the team who also did not speak publicly after August the 24th. We're, we're not certain why, but we remember after he scored a goal and he shushed the crowd. Well, there was no crowd. It was up towards the press box. Apparently, he was um, he was upset in some way with, the, you know, some of the take on uh, or, or sick. I, I, one thing I heard is he was just sick of talking about playing midfield and what he thought about it uh, or, or pl- playing wide on the left side and what he thought about it. Um, but he's the captain of the club. Uh the supporters did not hear from him over the last, how many months is that? September, October, you know, like last three months of the season. And uh, I, I think you have to hear from your captain, especially after the difficult matches. The captain is the one that should come out and talk about it. Not Keaton Parks, not uh, Goody, not uh, you know, whoever else was thrown out there. to Barraza. Uh, to, to, yeah, Barraza after that game. The Orlando, uh, the Orlando's, uh, excuse me, the Concacaf uh, Champions League match, but, um, but as far, but, but I really like Ring. I, I, th- one thing I've always said about Ring is that he's the one guy I could point to, that you know, you, you people, you players talk about hating to lose, hating to lose. He's the one guy where you know I put Tinner home in this category too. Those guys hate to lose, and you, you could just tell, you could just tell it's, it's it means something to them. And I'm not saying it doesn't to the other players. I'm just saying it was always so evident with him. And I thought naming him captain was the right thing to do. But I think he um, uh, his duties as, as captain is to be, uh, you know, the, the face and, and voice uh, of the franchise. It didn't happen in the latter stages. And so with Sands and Parks in there, Ronnie Dyla was not. Here's the thing. Ronnie Dyla was not putting ring in the midfield as long as those two were healthy and playing together. It wasn't happening. So this is, uh, I think it's a positive trade for both sides. That's yeah. my. By the way, he was making eight fifty in two thousand nineteen. He was eight fifty. I don't know if his money increased in two thousand twenty. John, what do you think? Oh, sorry, Roberto. <laughs> Way to cut him off. I, yeah, like not, we don't care what Tom you say. A... Go to John. We, let's go to the good stuff. Oh, we made right. a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> How many houses in DC? Um, uh, with that money. Yeah, yeah, you can get a, a condo. <laughs> exactly. Listen, um, I agree with the with the whole assessment of uh, being a good trade for both parts. What I don't really see is that any of the two guys that are right now keen to play in that position are as good or show to be as good. They could be but the young players are still on developing and none of those are as good as Alex Ring, okay? So you clearly know by that that the process of changing this team has begun, right? Right. And this is going to be day by day Ronnie's team now, okay? Which is, I'm not saying it's bad or good, but that's the direction that you're seeing is going to happen. They're going to be more move of players, and this is going to be Ronnie's team. Well, Ronnie Basically, and David Lee, Ronnie and David Lee's team. I mean, they right, they right, talk, but the, but they talk but a the lot. Face I mean, out, they're, they're, the face out is Ronnie's. Yeah, right, yes. and they're going to they're the going to shape that. Right, exactly. But I want to bring up a, a a point that Roberto brought up. I think Roberto mentioned it after, uh, maybe it was after the playoff loss, but 
um, you know, this is a team throughout its inception that has not had the ability to win the big game. Um, and a lot of that, uh, good or bad, has to do with maybe a lack of leadership on the field. So, look, we know with Ring, you could, uh, you know, there's a reason he wore the captain's armband. Um, Len talked about how much he hated to lose. And some, you know, when he did talk to the media, it was always fun because you just knew exactly where he stood. Uh, but Roberto talk, has talked to, and I think it's a fair point, you know, a, a lack of leadership, even with Ring in there. But he, he, there was a reason he wore the captain's armband. So now Roberto, with him gone, we assume Maxi takes over that that spot at least on the field but does it even become more important now with ring out to go out and get character guys who know how to winish and fin and win and finish big games now, maybe they go and get a big dp and he naturally assumes that role but does does this move even emphasize that to you more that those are the type of players this team needs to go out and get because it seems that there's a lack of um, leadership and I who knows how Maxi maybe takes on that role if it becomes his full time you know I don't know if he's a rah-rah guy that can motivate like that but um, do you see that as even being more critical now for New York City uh, absolutely I mean nothing changes as far as that's concerned they haven't brought anybody in who would uh, fit that mold so yes that's something that they've got to to address that part of the locker room you know that chemistry in the locker room and somebody who can galvanize it it's not about who's wearing the captain's band because you don't have to be the captain to be able to to do that you don't you don't have to be wearing spoken like coach Roberto Abramowitz. He's coached a few games and li listen to him man. <laughs> without credentials. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have my license. Sorry. Um, but, listen. but maybe this helps me towards that. But I mean, you, you guys understand this. You, you need that sort of leadership. And so far. So now you've taken some of that leadership out of the locker room. Obviously, that wasn't the main point of the reason that they've done this. It's a financial situation and uh, for the team and the team in a league that has a salary cap. So you, you have to make certain decisions. But obviously, I think that that's one of the things that this team must address uh, as they go into the offseason and get ready for next March when hopefully things start up again. And what we're, you know, we're going to see, you know, once the transfer window opens, uh, who they're targeting and what they're bringing in and who else is leaving, because I don't think Ring is the is the only guy who's who's leaving. I think there's probably going to be some more people. Uh, there's going to be more turnover this year than there absolutely well, was last year. Tom, before, it already has that, been. That's a segue to the left back spot. But the the uh, the one thing I want, if, if Sands was not in the mix or if he was considered more a central defender and that was his permanent spot there would have been an agreement with Alex Ring so I'm, I'm going back to the fact Parks and Sands what about under Ronnie Dyla are he the central that. midfielders Alex Ring is not so that's what Jettison you know that that pairing I, I think more so than anything I mean I, yeah you couldn't come to an agreement with a guy because he becomes maybe Does less valuable well, he is less valuable because of the position that he's supposed to play. You've got two players who they feel are better than him in that position now. That's one. Two, he's making an extraordinarily amount of money. Right. I mean, so that's, uh, sir, sure. 850000 in 2019, possibly even more in 2020. So and now, you know, you're looking for possibly even more money. So. Austin was was ready to accommodate them, and Austin, you know, was able to give up to one point two five million 
potentially. You know, that's a lot of potentially. The, the right. guarantee is seven fifty. So right, they, they can't the, uh, spend that extra half a million until uh, he performs it to a certain level. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But that opens up a lot of salary cap space where you can fill a lot of holes that you have. And the team now does have holes. But that's why I'm saying this is becoming that move is the clear move to tell you that this is becoming Ronnie's team. He's doing what he feels, of course, with the front office by his side and in an agreement and and getting a plan. But he's doing what he feels he should do. I mean, Parks and, and 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 Sands together is his idea. He see them as capable to do it, not because they show already that they're putting ring on the bench and taking the team to a final. No, but they seen the chance to get those two players on that level. So he's playing with that, and you playing with fire at the same time. It's part of the sports. It's part of the sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we'd be remiss if we didn't say that Claudio Reyna, who brought, you know, chiefly Alex. responsible for bringing Ring into New York City FC, is now the sporting director. Right. Yeah. Tom, just one little thing yeah. there, because it's just you giving the keys to the guy, which is actually what you should do. If you bring a coach, you want that coach to have the more amount of players that he is confident with and that he wants there, right? So you give him the keys. Sure. But... Up to now, he is not a guy who shows us that we can rely on him. We're not, you know, we, we still have a ton of doubts about him. So now it's up to them. They had to build this team and, 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 and give results. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you complete that analogy? So you gave him the keys. He hasn't been able to start the car. I mean, how, how does that, what, what do you, <laughs> or he can't get it out of first gear. <laughs> what, what, what is the analogy? Roberto, you're the car guy. No, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm listening right. here. Okay, it's up to him to get out of that one. Right. Listen, before we turn to the, the the back line real quick, so we've mentioned Sands and Parks, but was uh, the potential of Acevedo a factor in this decision as well? Absolutely, sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. That's that's at least depth, uh, if nothing else, and it gives him the it gives him the ability to make Parks the more forward of the three and put Acevedo next to Sands too. So. You know, you've got that possibility. Yeah, totally. And there's one little thing to that, uh, because I was thinking that there's one more element there that are putting Red Bulls and New York City and the same level in some aspects. Because they're letting captains leave, you know, and, 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 uh, and very important moments of their histories. And, and captains leaving without actually getting anything to the team in terms of winning trophies, you know, and, and the captains are leaving. And, and that's happening for both teams. So it's, the captains for the Red Bulls were uh, Robles right. most recently, uh, Dax McCarty. Dax McCarty and Sasha Cleston. Cleston, yeah, that's right. Three but Cleston, but, but you look at Cleston and Robles, and, you know, those might have been, you Turned know, a good, decision. good, de- good decisions. Yeah. 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 And McCarty, really. I mean, McCarty's doing well at Nashville, and he's an important figure there. But uh, well, know. and Robles, I mean, is I don't think it's fair to judge him because of the injury. Is something that he didn't true look for. But but he didn't he didn't look the keeper that he was 
in his prime with Red Bulls. I didn't think this year, hmm. you know, even well, his last year in Red Bulls, he wasn't uh, as good anymore. I mean, he had you could there were notable things that just weren't part of his past that were happening. So uh, I thought that he had uh, lost a step already his last year in in, in Red Bulls. And, uh, you know, in Miami, he's you know, it's, I think it's a great pick for Miami to get somebody like that. Who's uh, who's such a leader and, and a veteran and uh, can can do so many things and still a good stop shot, uh, shot stopper for the, for, for the most part. But uh, yeah, he isn't uh, the, the goalie that he was in his prime. But it's not like the Red Bulls have replaced him with, uh, you know, anything of permanence. Uh, exactly. You know, they, still, they, they need a keeper. The Red mm -hmm. Bulls need a keeper. I mean, mm -hmm. I yeah, yeah, you don't you don't like Mira. I don't not like him. I think he is a, a, a good. I think he's a his, his proper positioning within MLS or professional team is the number two keeper. I think it's perfect. Oh, you don't him. think he's the number one at all? No. But maybe we haven't seen enough of him since he, he hasn't been the primary keeper. Well, he was a primary. Well, he was a primary keeper for most of this year after I mean, starting out on the bench and then uh, he took over number one and they yeah. finished really well. But was that all on him? I mean, I don't no, watch a not. lot of Red Bulls no, games. But no. he's kind of the no. Yeah. No, he uh, he no, he had he had moments. I didn't see every Red Bulls game either, but I, he was not poor. But again, you know, if you're if your goal is to win a title, I, I don't think he's the guy. That's all. Tom, you see this? What, so what do you got? An NYCSC centric podcast is now talking about, yeah, Red, Bulls. talking about Red Bulls. Yeah. So that, that's to Roberto's point. Yeah. Well, let's bring it back to New York City. Well, reports. that's the big rivalry. That's the Liga yes. MX uh, MLS right. thing at, at work here. <laughs> all right. Reports or Argentina, that Brazil. Ronald Matarita <laughs> may be on the move, uh, being shopped around by New York City FC. We talked about him a lot in the last podcast. Uh, do you think this is the right move, Glenn? Should uh, New York City be looking to jettison the Costa Rican international? Well, I would say this. I would say it's not shocking. Roberto has gone to his closet. For those listening, uh, he and he's pulled out a Red Bulls scarf, so now he'll combine that with the uh, NYCFC scarves. So uh, we have become just a Hudson River Derby-centric now <laughs> on the uh, Soccer in the City podcast. I, would, I don't think anyone could be surprised that if Ronnie Dyla is not a huge fan of the player, Ronald Matarita, and um, and you double that with the uh, and, and these are rumors. And, you know, if you call New York City, they just say we, we don't confer, you know, we don't talk about rumors. But uh, there's this left back uh, out of uh, Norway who played for Ronnie Dyla at Valerenga. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's Simon Yukarod, uh, J-U-K. L E R O D Royal Antwerp. He plays for now. There was just a, there was a note out there that uh, he was under consideration for NYCFC. Then uh, Christian Dyer puts out, he's hearing that Matarita is being shopped around uh, by New York city FC to clubs like FC Cincinnati and DC United I don't and think Vancouver DC, and Vancouver. So uh, it's, I know you asked me, do I think it's the right move? Uh, I, I think it's the right time to move Matarita. And I think uh, he's, um, he's had his moments. There's no question. I think I've said numerous times that he's not a fullback out of a four-three-three. He's a wingback out of a three-back system or a winger. That's what I feel. And Ronnie Dyla, I think we've learned that, with rare exception, he's playing four at the back. He's playing four at the back. So what he wants is Anton Tinnerholm on the left. I have no idea if this guy from Norway is Anton Tinnerholm on the left. 
uh, he's Scandinavian. That's the only uh, thing I could say that like a uh, tinner home. But um, that is uh, that's my feeling on that. And Goody's not the answer. It's not like if they're looking yeah, to trade, Goody, yeah. if they're looking to trade Matarita, it's not going to be Thorarinson who's taking over that spot. Oh, if that, that's not happening, I hope not. So, but uh, Matarita got got exposed defensively again. I mean, and you know, in the Toronto game where he 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 causes a penalty. Uh, I don't blame him as much as I probably blame Dome for not taking him out because he was spent after New York City was trying to come back and tied the game. And they had put so much effort going forward that the team was mentally and physically spent. And especially Matarita, you could see that he was having all sorts of difficulties with Larea at that point. And he should have pulled him from the game somewhere around the 80th minute, and he didn't. And I don't know if Ben Sweat, who was there at the time, who would have replaced him, would, would have been better or not. But it's something that probably should have been done because Matarita, you could see, was really struggling uh, to contain. And that led to, the, to, to him getting beat and the penalty kick. But we've seen in too many games and too many times where he can be very poor defending. And that's his main position. His main position is to defend. So as good as he is offensively and everything else, it, it gives the team, you know, a chance to ponder now, well, can we do better? And so I think that this is where this starts. Uh, the ball starts rolling from there. I and just, he got eaten up in the Tigres game. I mean, he got totally oh, eaten up. Totally. Yeah. No, but uh, it's just, I think for me, it's just part of, Again, the process. So Ronnie is making his team, and I know we talk about there are going to be more moves, and, and yes, Batarita could be one of those, and, and he has shown that he is probably 70, 75% of a good, a great player, and maybe they want a better player, which is, That's it's fair. okay. It's okay to, to do it and to look for it. It's fine. Again, this is a this is a time in which they're taking decisions and they're gonna side on you know on their options and it's okay, but they will have to provide results. That's what it is. Because without results, you know, all the process, the first one that we have to blame and it has to be blamed and will take the blame is the coach. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. Absolutely. And that and that's so you know globally that's uh you know the coach generally uh, takes the hit on on transfer signings and because uh, for the most part it's not always the case but uh you know coaches play a big role in who who comes into the team you know and, exactly. and, and ultimately we, does the recruiting you know more so right. than the sporting director one little thing on that process too we were talking about um leadership right and how yeah. much leadership you lose not having Alex ring and that they will probably have to look for someone to provide that leadership, that kind of leadership. But we had to contemplate the idea too that the new Dylas team, his team, doesn't need any other leadership than him. Any because other what? Oh, any they... other leader than him. Yeah. It happens in many teams where the coach says, you know what? The only leadership in the group is coming from me. We're working together, but the leader here, the voice here, the face here is me. And it happens in many teams. 
but you have to. We had to contact, have someone we had, on the field, though? We had to contact. Yeah, no, uh, may not. It could be his boys, but not the leader of the team. Because the leader of the, 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 the team leader on the field may sometimes gather the players and say, you know what? He's asking for this. But if we provide the result the last minutes doing this, he's not going to get this because we provided the result. And I talked to him and it's going to be fine. I've heard of I've heard of players, uh, leaders uh, gathering their team during a game and saying, "Screw what the coach is saying. This is what we're doing." I've heard we, that happen. We yeah, win, and times. he's going to be happy. I manage that. I'm exactly. going to talk to him. Exactly. Okay. That's the well, kind remember, of some some teams only have a voice on the field, which is only you know the messenger from the coach, but the leader is the coach. Remember when Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley had to go to Klinsman to beg him to switch out of a one formation to go to a different formation against Mexico because Mexico. they were getting overrun. And they wound up losing that game 2-1, to one, but that when they changed the shape, it, uh, it kind made the game even, and the United States got a goal back. They were that was classic. Enough. Classic Klinsman. He went to three at the back in training that week and then played the game. You know, it's, yeah. it's classic. Well, let's... Hey, uh, also, we didn't mention Santiago Rodriguez, yeah. who's the other Uruguayan who has been associated with New York City and attacking midfielder 20-year-old. September. Yeah, but we didn't uh, address it. Yeah, right. with it. With it. Go to, go to the archive and listen to the show. All right, fine. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's wrap it up on the coaching topic. Let's stay there because there's still some MLS vacancies to be filled. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Gabriel Heinze uh, from Argentina. So um, what do we know about this guy? He's Argentinian with a German last name. That's what I know. And <laughs> he was why, a hell, and he was a hell why, of a player. A hell that's of why a he's be, that what, that's why he's called El Gringo. Yeah, he nothing, was, he's had nothing to do with uh, the way South American call sometimes Americans. Gringos, yeah, right, right. Like has I nothing to do with that. Has no. nothing to do with that. It's because his um, European background, his European look, and the area that he was born in Argentina, which is the center of the country, a very rural area. So he was the one with the clear skin, the 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 the, the light skin, yeah, light yeah. skin. Sorry, light skin and. And blue eyes and all that. So he's a gringo. <laughs> yeah. So um, he he played for the national team 72 times, uh, played uh, in the Olympics uh, six times for them in 2004. He, he had a magnificent Young guy. career. Yeah, he's uh, he's not that old. He's in his, what, 40s? He's 42 years old. So. Uh, and not much guy. coaching experience, but uh, you know, I I just read things. You know, regarded as one of the top coaches in Argentina, is that at, correct? At five years. I mean, he was with Godoy Cruz, Argentinos Juniors, and for the last three years with Vélez Sarsfield, and he's done very well. Five he's years is not well. a lot of experience, but I know no, he's done well. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, there, there are guys who are you know. Look, we've seen guys debut as uh, as coaches, and uh, they, they 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 do well. So uh, he he's a bright guy, and we expect him to be more in the mold of Tata than in than in the mold of uh, uh, ah, what De Boer De Boer uh, De Boer Frank De Boer is a yeah. is a mold for that. Hopefully not. Yeah, well, you know, somehow he wound up. I mean, after that. Frank de Boer, after that disaster in Atlanta, winds up coaching the Dutch national team. is the is the most baffling move I've seen in coaching. Yeah, and in, for the in first time in history, uh, a new coach 
with the with the they, Netherlands. They lost the first, lost the first uh, two games. Yeah. <laughs> well, they uh, well. He's, at least he's consistent exactly. uh, when it comes well, to listen, that. But they've got. They also have to change around their personnel. I mean, they've lost a lot of personnel, Atlanta. Yeah. It's yeah. not just. Uh, it's not just the coach. They they've allowed a lot of players to go, and many of them because Frank DeBoer didn't fit his system, and uh, they've got a they lot of talent to replace. But is it safe to say they're gonna? That there's a good chance they'll get their mojo back with this yes. guy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Listen, because one thing, um, Hainzer is considered one of the Bielsa disciples. Okay, they All like right. they, they, and, and, and in that sense, you tie him with Tata Martino, even though they both have zero relationship. They don't they don't talk to each other. They're not friends They're nothing. Okay? Really? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Because huh. he is a real special guy. I mean, he's he sees the life in a way. He's not the. the Did he play for Tata? It, 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 was he still playing for Argentina when Tata was the coach? Uh, I think he played. Tata, yeah, but right. there's no personal relationship there. Okay. But um, but but Hainze is is not the typical Argentinian in the sense. Okay, he he sees life in a different way. He was out very young, and he played in Europe for a number of years, many years, and he's applying that to his coaching style. So he is someone that he doesn't speak that much to the media, neither like Tata. I mean, he's not giving interviews here and here and there and there. And yeah. No, he, he doesn't like that. Um, his teams modify the style of play. He tweaks the styles so he can get the results too. I mean, he likes to play a forward style. He likes to play a good, um, you know, looking style of football. But if the last 10 minutes, he is the coach of LAFC and he's winning the Conquer Champions 1-0, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to dump that ball, whatever it takes. But he's going to yeah. win that trophy. Whatever it takes, he's going to win that trophy. And if he has to part two bosses that, those 10 minutes, he will do it. Okay? That's the kind of twist that he's making to, to that style. Okay? We're going to play, yes. We're going to play good, yes. We're going to uh, pressure, yes. But if we have to do the other ugly stuff to win, we do it. Well, he may have that chance since Atlanta, by virtue of their 2019 U.S. Open Cup title, has been uh, given a berth in the 21 uh, Champions League. So, Correct. Uh, you know, so we'll and, see. And they're going to turn over the, the roster. I mean, yeah. he already have a, has a list of players that he wants to be, you know, bring to the, the project. And they're analyzing that with Bocanegra. And hopefully that's going to happen. We understand that there's some players there that since the minute they came, we knew they wouldn't be here for six years. Let's say Barco. You didn't expect that kid to be here three more years, probably half a season too much. Or, or one season, one full season, that's it. So they're going to keep, you know, turning over that, that, uh, the other part, that, that roster. The other part is the youngsters. He likes to give them chances. He likes to have them training with the, with the first team and look for youngsters to feed the team. And that's important for them, too. That's, well, that's good. good. It's good for the league. I mean, yeah, it we, we criticized. League, yeah. I mean, the league plays a lot of young kids, but... Uh, a lot of teams get criticized for not doing yeah. that exactly. Listen, even last so. night, Belis Arfield qualified for the next round of the Copa Libertadores, and that is with the with the results, with the big results that Hainz had at the beginning of his tournament with Belis. Because remember, the Copa Libertadores has been almost a whole year around, right, right. you know, having games and playing stages. So, and how he do has, we pronounce? He's a part of that. Heinze. What's the correct pronunciation of his name? Heinze. 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 
Heinze. So you Gabriel do Heinze. pronounce the 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 H in this in Spanish, although it's not the supposedly most of the time you don't, but with him you do. It's Heinze. Heinze. Hey, gringo. That's it. Gringo. Gringo. Now, I, yeah, we'll just call now, him gringo. So now that we're talking about pronunciations and last names, please. Um, there's a there's a guy who was announced yesterday, and I saw an article. Uh, Romagna, Romagna. You had to pronounce that letter because the end, yeah. Exactly. It's insane. We have to. Um, we try in our best to respect, right? But they, but, yeah. but the Anglo media has to do it too. I mean, just erasing the letter and changing for another one doesn't make you better. No, nope. you had to respect. Try your best. Yeah. If it's you have a mistake, Brian is fine. Exactly. It should be a but broadcaster's changing... credo. Every name. If if you see Smith, you should at least ask, so it's not pronounced Smythe. You know anything? Exactly. Anything. Yep. Right. Right. Who, who's going to end up in D.C. and L.A.? Well, according to so what's the so I guess we have to rely on Steve Goff more than anybody, right? Well, but, uh, yeah, he's so he's got Gonzalo uh, Pineda, the uh, the Seattle assistant, uh, Chris Armas, Jill Ellis, and Rodolfo Burrell from Man City as the final four. That's his you know, final. It four. Seems like the Seattle coach was the favorite, but but uh, it's insane because all all well, Armas them, was at one point, right? Exactly. According to Goff, if you if you have them all four. Let's say there are cards in front of you. They're all different styles, different ways, different forms. So I don't know what they're thinking. You know, what, what are you building right. here? If your candidates saying. are whole different ideas. I don't understand. Well, maybe you listen to all the ideas and then you decide which idea you like. So you don't best. have one. You're building it right now. Yeah, you could do maybe. that. You could bring that, it a that variety like I mean, that. There is a process in which we don't have a real identity. We're going to build it. So let's hear everybody. If I, The Jill yeah. Ellis one is intriguing. You know, from the fact that it's potentially the first woman to uh, coach a professional team with the first uh, woman MLS. president, African American president. But yeah, we, no, we may be moving in that direction. And DC United hired a a, a, a black woman yeah. as a, one of their presidents. President. Yeah, yeah, um, CEO. CEO so, I believe, right. But here's the thing about Ella. Let's just take away the the, the fact she's a woman, and it, with 26 first team male players, you're not going to tell me. That every one of those, if she gets hired, that every one of those guys, you know, is going to be, yeah, boom, I can't wait. You know, there's going to be some eye rolling. That's the way it works, man. That's men. A bit. You know, but you, you hope that you have, you know, whoever your main people are in your locker room supporting you. Yeah. So because you, then, look, then that get, then whoever is not supporting you gets pushed down or pushed away and uh, put in his place. Ultimately, you, you, you need win the leadership of the team be, being behind this. But my, my point about Jill Ellis is this. Let's just take away the fact that she's a, a woman trying to uh, to break a barrier here. Uh, she hasn't coached a club team since she coached UCLA. How many years ago is that now? In the uh, late two, uh, 2009, 10. Uh, and she's just been a, a, a national team coach. She's been um, someone who's uh, been in charge of the, the program as far as technical director. Um I have a concern that she hasn't coached club soccer. She's only coached in that. And when you, any, you, talk, you talk to anyone who has done both, I mean, the difference of those two scenes is, uh, is very distinct. And uh, having a team on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, maybe that works well for her and she develops relationships and all those other things. But uh, to me, uh, a coach 
you, you're bringing candidates and I don't know how your leading candidate could be someone who hasn't coached professional club soccer. She's only coached club soccer on the collegiate level. I don't know on the women's side. So you can take it from there anywhere you want as far as these other guys. I mean, are, it, it, look, what winds up happening in situations like that is also who you surround yourself with. Right. Who your assistant coaches are, uh, who you bring in. I mean, if you want to, uh, th- th- there's been examples of that. So I, I, I don't find it a problem if her philosophy is the correct one and she surrounds herself with the right people. Right. And just because she hasn't done it doesn't mean she's not capable of doing that. So if she presents the right plan and, you know, and says, this is my idea going forward. If I'm in charge, this is what we're going to do. And she surrounds herself with the right people. There is absolutely no reason for her not to succeed. I don't have a problem with it. It all depends on what the plan is. And if she can sell me her vision of what she's going to do and how she's going to approach it and, and uh, what she expects her results to be. So but what you're uh, talking about there is far, you're talking about uh, guys that come from South America or Europe and become managers and aren't familiar with the league. So it's who they surround them with is, is always very important because they don't they don't get MLS. But right. those but those individuals have almost uh, exclusively come from club situations or have, have coached on the on the club level at some point. You know, Patrick Vieira is an exception, you know, well, but there, coach, there are exceptions. The U23s, right? You know, there but, are exceptions. I mean, at the same time, why would she coach at a club level if she's winning two World Cups with the U.S. national team, something nobody else has ever done? Two consecutive not, World Cups. I'm not. I mean, it's so, so that, that's what's happening in the last eight years. But that's, I'm not saying that's what that's that's I'm, I'm not saying she should have changed her path. I'm saying that's the reality of it. It nope. is, but I don't find that to be a deal breaker. Again, depending on what the plan is, All right. uh, what she presents her plan to be, and again, who she surrounds herself with. All right. I don't have a problem with that. And then Greg Vanny seems to be the favorite in, in L.A., and that yeah. seems Alexi, to be a, yeah. a real good choice there if that happens because they, they need organizationally top to bottom to a refresher, a full refresher. And then and, they started uh, already to turn over the roster. Yeah, but I mean, it, it goes, I mean, it goes deeper, like team philosophy, style of play from academy on up and that they need that. And uh, he's already proven that, that he can do that in, in Toronto and, and do it very, very well. And that seems to be like a no brainer for L.A. to make that choice. And Isn't if they the, don't uh... grab him, then, you know, D.C. should uh, immediately switch and basically offer him the. Uh, or New York. I know you're as a coach. Sorry. What's that? <laughs> John. <laughs> Stop it. Happy holiday, John. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I missed what, what he said. Uh, That's the idea. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. And then Corner of the Galaxy podcast. Are they uh are they do they generally have the story right, John? Yeah, yes. Yes. Because they've got Vanny Josh Gessman. Get, get the job. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. Josh Gessman is okay. the leader of the podcast. And yeah. They're, they're very into the stories of the team. Okay. All right. Well, let's bring it to a close. Uh, go around the room, Glenn. What's on the Glenn Crooks holiday Christmas menu? Zoom calls with my children. Okay. One who is in New Mexico and the others in Asbury Park. But, uh, you know, they're, we're, uh, we're doing what uh, we feel is the proper thing to do, and we're not uh, gathering. We're just going to Zoom it. 
So my wife and I and, uh, and the kids. And then um, also, um, I'm going to put something up. I want you all to watch it because I, it's, uh, I haven't seen it. I think it was just texted while we were recording this. My sister-in-law is brilliant. And I've got a very musical family. And uh, if you'd like to, to uh, uh, see me play trumpet, you, you'll have to take a, take a, a moment to, to, uh, to view this. But she has put together the 12 Days of Christmas with our family. And she had everyone sing a part. Uh, and play some uh, some instruments and you know whoever the musicians are and she has put this thing together and it is i it's it's unbelievable it's absolutely unbelievable i'll just leave it at that uh this hopefully will get published before 3 p.m on christmas eve and if so and you happen to hear it at 3 p.m i have my series x mfc show the coaching academy and i think a, a really nice story about a paralympian uh his name is shay hammond who uh, is on the uh, seven aside Paralympic national team. And he tells the story of uh, he was born with cerebral palsy on the right side of his brain, which affects the left side of his body and his search for his first left footed goal. He's a striker. It's it's a nice story. And uh, how he has given back to that community is um, is really exceptional. So happy holiday, everybody. And uh, at Glenn Crooks. And yeah, I'll be doing some other things, but that that's good enough for now. All right. How do I follow that up? <laughs> Jesus. Just say goodbye. Don't tell don't tell us you're doing the Jets broadcast because no one's listening. So what else you got? Well, <laughs> I, I am, but I'm not doing it on radio. I'm doing it on television on Sunday. So I'll be working for CBS. You can hear it on SAP all over the country. I'll be doing the Jets in Cleveland. And on Saturday night, oh. I'll be working for NFL Network. And this will be heard again in sap all over the u.s mexico central america and i'll be doing the miami dolphins and the las vegas raiders so i've got a double header nfl this weekend and uh excited to do uh both games aside from that you can follow me on twitter at rob abramowitz on facebook at roberto abramowitz oficial with one f and on instagram at roberto abramowitz that's it merry christmas everybody happy holidays to all Ben Rojas from, from Paradise. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to stay here in my bubble. We're going to enjoy with the family. Uh, people can follow me on jrojas875. Have a great holiday season, boys. All right. I'm at T. Kolker. Abrazos. Happy holidays to everyone out there listening. Hope everyone has a safe and happy new year. We'll be back at the beginning of 2021. For Glenn, Roberto, and John, I'm Tom. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City.